now here's your host, Gabriel Rutledge. Check, check, check. Yep, it's me, your host. Uh, just me. Only one Rutledge this week. Um, let me fire up my sponsor here. Um, Diet Canada Dry. And uh, Black Velvet Whiskey. Costco size. Some people are boycotting uh, Coke, I guess it is, for political reasons. Conservative people are uh, boycotting uh, Coca-Cola. That's got to hurt. I feel like red states love their sugar. But uh, I was thinking, if I ever, the, really the only soda I drink is Canada Dry Diet. Um, and if I ever had to boycott it for political reasons... Uh, I'm going to have to start buying better whiskey. Because Black Velvet on the Rocks is uh, not something a cool dude orders in a bar. <laughs> I mean, I've done it. I do it. I'll, I'll drink it. But uh, it's a, you know, makes you wince a little bit when it goes down. It's not smooth like a, well... I don't even know what a nice whiskey is, but to me, like, Jameson is a nice whiskey, but I'm sure that's mid-shelf if you're a real whiskey person, which I am not. I'm uh, I'm what's known as a results-oriented drinker. Um, you know, uh, I enjoy the, uh, I enjoy the ritual of drinking. I don't, I'm not saying I need to get fucked up to have a good time. I'm just saying it doesn't hurt. You know what I'm saying? Um, no, I don't need to drink to the point of intoxication every time. But I just mean I'm going. I'm going for the effect. I'm going. I don't. I don't need to swirl something around and uh, give it a sniff before I get a buzz. I almost feel like that's cheating. In the way that wine drunks. Uh, pretend they're classy and they're not just as drunk as the rest of us. You know? I mean, just because there's oaky notes doesn't mean you don't like getting shit-faced on a Wednesday. You know what I mean? But there's none of that pretense with Black Velvet from Costco. No one goes, what a connoisseur. I bet that fella enjoys the good things in life. Like diet ginger ale. I mean, you could swirl. I could swirl black velvet around in my little glass, but you're just postponing. I mean, suck it down. Get to the good part. I almost recorded this podcast uh, in my car in front of my house, because right now everyone's asleep in my house, uh, which makes me feel like I have to be kind of quiet. And then I just thought, I don't. it feels creepy to sit in my car in front of my house, especially if I brought the black velvet, but I probably wouldn't have. Um, <laughs> I'd be the only guy to get a DUI for recording a podcast in front of my house. I wasn't going to drive, officer. Sure you weren't. Not only do you have an open container, it's quite large. Did you get that at Costco? Yes, officer. Uh, 
But then, I don't know, I just, I, I just thought I could be a little louder in my car, but, like, you know, we have neighbors, and they come and go all the time, as people do. I love it when you get old, by the way, that people coming and going is an insult. Like, oh, there's cars coming in and out at all hours over there. Like, yeah, they got shit to do. It's the kind of shit my old, our old neighbor says. There's cars over there all the time. Yes, not everyone goes to bed at 8 p.m. But there's a lot of teenagers. Uh, it's a family, but they have teenagers. And I'm not that observant, so I always say to Christy that I feel like I see a different teenager every time. Like, I never recognize them from before. But that's just because um, I'm not that observant. If I ever observe a crime, it's trouble. It's tr- I'm telling you, it's trouble. They're like, what did he, what did he, what did the person look like? They were... I'm pretty sure it was a dude. Skin color. I mean, I mean, like maybe a tan white guy. I don't, I don't, I didn't really catch it. They had a hoodie. What color was the hoodie? Ah, not white. <laughs> Did they have facial hair? Maybe. Maybe. They, it might have been a woman. Now that I think about it, who committed the crime? I'm I'm just not observant. I'm not. Uh, Christy, my bride. I mean, she she would know the eye color of of the person. Um. Uh, me, on the other hand, uh, the other day, uh, my daughter Maisie said something about having hazel eyes, and I was like, "You do?" <laughs> Which. I guess. I feel like hazel is one of those colors that's only for eyes. And it no one really knows what it means. No one ever goes, I'm going to paint the house. We're going to go hazel with blue trim. No one, it, hazel only exists uh, in eyeball color. And I reason I don't, I think hazel should look like hazelnut, and it doesn't. So, I'm calling bullshit on hazel. You've had it too good for too long, hazel. taking you down uh i was uh i was laughing because i had a, i put a video clip up as i'm want to do i don't know how that saying works uh i put a video clip up uh, um originally on tiktok got forty five thousand views not bad and don't worry my next video got 312 so tiktok continues to be uh just Farting a dart towards a dartboard, and you don't know um, how many views you're going to get. Also, if you can fart a dart towards a dartboard, that would get a lot of view- views on TikTok. That would be pretty big, way more than 45,000. But I, pl- I guess I'll play it real quick. It, uh, real quick. It's, uh, it's very short. Uh, it's just I was wrapping up a show at Laughs uh, in Seattle, and uh, these ladies started yelling to me to don't stop. Uh, so uh, just a little fun riff I did. All right, I gotta go in a minute. You guys have been delightful. Uh, I have, uh, thank you. I have things. Don't stop. Don't stop. You know, I've had a woman say "Don't stop" to me before, and just like then, I am about to stop.
oh, who is that guy? He's quick. He's good. Uh, but I was laughing because I put that on um, on uh, Facebook and my <laughs> and obviously it's like a reference to not being able to not have an orgasm, right? When a woman says don't stop and then I do stop. I mean, that's what the reference is. Uh, someone on TikTok commented, uh, one of the rare instances low-hanging fruit was the right choice. And I'm like, all right. It's a compliment, but fuck off. Low-hanging fruit. Guess what? I'm a stand-up comic. Low-hanging fruit is often the right choice. Okay? The audience is hungry and they need fruit. What are you going to do? Climb to the top of the tree? No. You grab what's available. And it usually has something to do with genitals. I, my comedy is like my alcohol use. Results-oriented. We're trying to get somewhere. All right? It's not always about the journey. Uh, but anyway, you know, it's sort of a vague reference to having an orgasm. And my grandma, technically my step-grandma, but whatever. Um, I mean, that's why I'm 47 and I even have a grandma uh, at my advanced age because, you know, she's my step-grandma. She was much younger than my grandpa who died forever ago. But anyway, she... <laughs> She commented on that video, congratulations on a good night. Um, so I don't know which night she was referring to. The night that I had an orgasm I couldn't stop from having or the night of the comedy. But either way, thanks, Grandma. <clears throat> I feel like that's a young man's problem, by the way trying not to have an orgasm. That's actually kind of funny because sometimes people joke, I don't know if they joke or they're serious, that when they're, like a man's trying not to come, he'll think of his grandma. And there she did, she showed up in my comments. I've, I've never actually done that because it seems weird. Some people think of baseball, which, um, I don't, I think, I try to think of nothing when I'm trying not to have an orgasm. It's very, I try to be very zen, but it doesn't work. Also, if I, if I thought of baseball, I don't know if that would help. You think I can't have an orgasm? Thinking about Ken Griffey Jr., you're wrong, okay? That man had a beautiful swing. And a plump butt. I'm not a baseball scientist, but I, if you look at baseball players, they have Real round asses. I think that's important. King Griffey Jr., not a big... He's not a small man, but, I mean, his ass. He got a lot of power out of that ass. Same with pitchers. They have big old butts. I wonder if baseball scouts... <laughs> I wonder if baseball scouts put that in their, like, scout notes. Like when they recruit high school athletes. They're like, ah, oh, checked out this kid. He throws 92 miles an hour, and he's got an ass for days. We should sign him. He's got a great arm, hits for power, and he is thick with two Cs. Uh, I don't have the ass for baseball. I don't. I have, a, I have the ass for bowling. 
But I do, I do feel like trying not to have an orgasm. Which, by the way, I know men have. You know, like we get, we get a better deal with sex. It's much, it's simpler to have an orgasm. But I, okay, you know, if if we're if we're doing pros and cons uh, of genital ownership. Uh, I mean, a woman never thinks, oh no, I'm about to come. That's so foreign. No woman has ever, well, you know, unless you're on a roller coaster. But you know what I mean? Like, no no woman having sex has ever been like, oh no, it's too soon for me to experience pleasure. If I have an orgasm already, I will be a terrible lover. You, That's not a thing you have to worry about. Um, there's plenty of other things you have to worry about, but, you know, give us that one. Also, you know, I, maybe it's harder for a woman to have an orgasm, but when they do, it seems worth at least three of mine. You know? Mine aren't that hard to get over. I just go on about my day. Women's orgasms seem like a real date game changer, you know what I mean? You gotta take a nap or start a hobby afterwards. You ever, <laughs> you ever fuck a woman so good she started quilting afterwards? Yeah, me either. But I, I feel like that. I mean, I've had that experience in my life where I'm like, oh no, I think I'm going to have an orgasm, um, and that's I announce it like that. Oh no. Um. So I'm, it's not like a totally foreign idea, but I just feel like that's a young that's a young problem almost. That's that's like early dating, or you know, to be honest, it's a lot more of the opposite problem. When you've been married a long time, you're like, I got to wrap this up. If we're gonna get that episode of Billions in tonight, uh, we got to make this happen. I had to. Uh, I had to turn down a gig today, which is really hard. I mean, I proved that during coronavirus by turning down none of them. Uh, <laughs> despite great risk to my health. Um, I didn't seek them out, but I didn't turn any down. I just I can't. I don't know, man. There's something about comedy. Probably not just comedy, but if it's... If it's a thing that's hard to do, if it's a thing where there's desperation for opportunities, um, if it's a thing where you feel like you're going to miss out by not doing something, it's so hard to say no. I have trouble saying no to shitty things. Uh, so, of course, I you know, saying no to good things is hard. But uh, I had a guy, I'm not going to say any clubs, any names, any nothing. But um, someone messaged me today and said, can you do, I don't remember the week in June. It was like June 17 to 20 or whatever. Are you open June 17 to 20? I look at my calendar. Yes, an actual paper calendar. Okay. I don't, I don't want to scroll through my anxiety. I want to flip through my anxiety of a calendar, okay? Uh, so I, I'm looking at my calendar. Well, I am kind of... No, I am not open because 
my son, my firstborn, Johnny Gabriel Rutledge. Brown eyes, like me, like God intended. Hazel, what the fuck is that? Uh, he's graduating June 18th. You know, so uh, it's in my calendar, so I don't book a gig, because obviously I want to be at the graduation ceremony, what, however weird it is, however they do it, uh, because of coronavirus, you know. Um, I got to be there. And so I text back, and I say, I, my son is graduating June 18th, so I have to be home for that. I don't even know where the gig is. I don't know what it's for. This particular person owns several comedy clubs, so if it was, I guess there's a chance if it was like local, I could still do it. Maybe, but I don't even know because I don't know when the graduations are. are. They in the afternoon? Are they in the evening? Who knows? Maybe we'll have a party. So I, uh, the guy was like. <laughs> The booker was like, are you sure he's going to graduate this year? Like, just being a wise ass. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, I think so. And I was like, what did it cost me? I was like, "Is it? A, was, it was it a week in Spokane? Because it's one of the clubs they own. And he said, no. Uh, it was opening for Ron White in Oklahoma City. Uh... And I, this is why it was so hard to say no, because first of all, I love Ron White. I'm a Ron White fan. Ron White rules. Um, Ron White also drinks for results. No, he actually, I mean, he, you know, he drinks before, during, and after shows. I'm not, you know, I'll have a couple of cocktails before bed. He's like, he's living the life. You know what I mean? He's into it. But, uh... So one, it would be great to work with Ron Wright, um, especially with every show sold out. Um, and no matter what I was getting paid, I'm, you know, assuming I could sell merchandise with every show selling out, obviously I would make some money doing that. But this is also why, well, I said I was going to give no details, but I have to. Um, I work in Oklahoma City. I work at the Looney Bin. I headline the Looney Bin. And... This the club where Ron White is going is not the Looney Bin, and I was never going to work this other club because I headlined the Looney Bin and I talked, you know, to the person who owns the other club there, and they were like, "Yeah, just keep working there. It's fine." Blah blah blah. You know, he was so cool about it. He's like, "Hey, tell him you, <laughs> tell him you turned down this much money from me to try to get more money out of him," which I didn't do, but you know, he was like, he was real cool about it. So Ron White's going to headline his club in Oklahoma City. He knows that I can't headline his club because he knows I work the Looney Bin. He knows I can middle for Ron White because, one, it's like under the radar and no one would know. And also it's like not, I'm not headlining another club across town. So it's not like an issue, really. And so the fact that he thought of me the fact that this came up and he's like, hey, this might be my way to get Gabe in. It was like, fuck, when someone thinks of you and goes out of their way to do something nice for you, and I still have to be like, no, um, 
my brown-eyed son is graduating and I can't go. Obviously, I have to go to his graduation. Christy kind of got annoyed with me because I, I, you know, I was like, fuck, that hurts. Um, but I'm not saying it hurts like I'm considering not going to my son's graduation. I just mean the timing is shit. And uh, would have anything have come from it? Probably not. But, you know, that's the guy who owns the club was like, hey, I wanted to give it to He told me I wanted to give it to you because you never know what can happen. If someone sees you or he likes you or, you know, and it's like, I don't know. When someone goes out of their way to do a nice thing for you because, you know, I work all of his other clubs. So it's kind of like this thing of like, hey, maybe I can help you get bigger. <laughs> when a club owner goes out of his way to do that and I still have to say no. Um, oh, God. I mean, I what are you going to do? I'm not going to not go to my son's graduation. But it's also like, damn it. Um. I'm pretty sure Ron White and I would have been best friends forever. Probably would have got gay married. Would have been awesome. <sighs> but no. Uh, I'll be home uh, going to my son's graduation. Probably doing some uh, terrible sports bar. Uh, the days are routed. I don't know. But it's like, okay, you, you, want a little, uh, you want a little snapshot of why I'm not more successful? There you go. There it is. Uh. <laughs> and again, would anything have happened? Would Ron White have liked me so much? Some great thing would have Probably not. But it's like, there's just been so many of those things in my life that I can't do. I already don't go to L.A. or New York just to hang out. Um, You know, and that's what. That's what uh, people higher up in the comedy industry tell me. Oh, you got to go and be seen. You got to go hang out. I'm like, well, I'm, I can't afford to do that. I'm working. I'm doing comedy. I'm not. And also, people say that, but the reality is, even though I headline clubs somewhat all over the country, if I show up to L.A. or New York, if I, there's no, there's no doors open for me. There's no like great thing like, oh, fuck, you're finally here. We were waiting for you. Hi, I was on Comedy Central in 2009. Please let me <laughs> headline your LA comedy club. You ever seen Nick Mom Night Out on Nickelodeon? No? Well, I could recreate that set for you if you'd like tonight. You know, the reality is, uh, if if I went, even if I was like, I'm going to go to L.A. for a week, what would happen is I could put my name in a bucket for an open mic. And these industry people who say I need to be there, they're not going to be there. You know, I would, to really do it, I'd have to move. And that's certainly not going to happen. And everyone moved out anyway, next to coronavirus. I was way ahead of that game. Um, but there's a lot of people who don't even live in L.A. and New York anymore, like really big comedians, because they're like, I just don't need it anymore. But anyway, the point is, uh, that was disappointing. And, uh, you know, the, the fun thing about things that are disappointing is when things don't go well in the future, you can blame it on disappointing things in the past. You know what I mean? Like if something bad happens, they'll be like, well, 
It's because I couldn't do that Ron White gig. Everything would have been different if I did that Ron White gig. Oh, if me and Tater Salad. If me and Tater Salad had, had become best friends like we were destined to do, everything would be different. I tried to sell Ron White a joke once. Uh, I knew the guy who was like one of his, I guess you would call him a writing coordinator. So you, you, would, you would email this guy video of the joke you wanted to sell Ron White. If he liked it, he would pitch it to Ron White. And if Ron White tried it and kept it, you got $1,000 a minute. Um, the guy liked one of my jokes. He said he would pitch it to Ron. That's all that ever happened. But it's also a weird thing because it's like, you know, it can't be any joke that's been on an album or television that you've already performed. And you're also like, I don't want to give away all my good shit. So you really like... <laughs> Are there any jokes that weren't good enough for my act that Ron White would like? That's a weird position to be in. Um, and uh, so no wonder it didn't work out. But uh, I know people. I know people who've sold him stuff. I don't think he does it anymore. I don't, think he, I don't think he buys people's material anymore because I don't think he cares about putting out specials. He still writes material just on his own, I think. And then he... Uh, I know in an interview years ago, he was like, I'm going to stop putting out so many specials because no one cares. And half the time they just yell out, they want to hear my old shit anyway. I thought that was kind of funny. Especially, you know, everyone's so, that's like the thing is every two years, every famous comedian has to crank out a special. <laughs> and Ron White's like, yeah, I'm done doing that. Have you seen what these casinos pay me? I don't need to do that. Um... I actually think that would be really hard um, if someone was just like, hey, here's a joke that someone else wrote. Now you go perform it. You know, to make it my own and uh, and sell it, I, that's actually, that would be kind of hard. You know, I mean, we all help each other out. We don't write each other's act, but it's like, you know, in the biz, we call it, tagging each other's jokes like you know there's the punchline and then there's like a couple of lines after the punchline and those are the tags and uh you know we do that for each other all the time uh usually it's shit a lot of times people come up to me and they go hey here's an idea for you um <laughs> and i'm always i always go yeah and then i'm like why would i no that's the worst idea i've ever heard but there's been there's times I've taken people's ideas and 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 run with them if if they're funny, um. But that's a little different. That's like I wrote a joke and someone else is like, "This is how you can improve it." Uh. But that's a little different than like someone else writing a three minute bit and you going, "Okay, I'll try to do it now." I don't know. It's just weird. It's just weird, especially if it's. I don't know, maybe if it's about a vague topic, if it's about, you know, what's a vague topic? Hunting. I say that because Ron White was on the Blue Collar Comedy Tour, and I think they all had hunting jokes. Uh, but 
you know what I mean? If it's like a joke about hunting, one thing. But if it's like, like let's say I wrote a joke about my neighbors and then I gave it to Ron White and then Ron White has to pretend that he has my neighbors. That's weird to me. That's really weird to me. Um, but yeah, a lot of, uh, I know all the blue collar comedy guys had writers. In fact, the, 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 the legend is that Ron White, this is the kind of shit we could have talked about when we hung out and drank his number one tequila. I don't even drink tequila, but for Ron White, I would. He has his own brand. Uh, he was, it's funny, Oklahoma City again, the guy, the club I work for, uh, the Looney Bin uh, in Oklahoma City. He said he used to book Ron White all the time, and the hilarious thing was, he said Ron White was, like, notorious for never changing a word of his act. Like, it was the same 45 minutes for, like, 10 years, which is kind of funny. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure it was a killer fucking 45 minutes. But And then sort of late in life, I think he'd actually somewhat – he moved to Mexico and, like, stopped doing comedy. And I think Jeff Foxworthy, like, called him up and got him out of retirement to uh, uh, do comedy again. And then uh, Blue Collar Comedy blew up. And then all of a sudden, it's like, you need a new act right away. And uh, I think this is all rumors. No idea if it's true. But uh, I think there was a guy in Denver, and I think, <laughs> I guess that $1,000 a minute thing, I think Ron White just bought a guy's hour. That's what someone told me. It could be true, could not be true. He was just like, I'll take your whole 60 minutes for 60 grand. And the guy was like, okay. And then that guy started writing for all the blue-collar comedy guys. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I think I'm I'm enough of a... Maybe I'm wrong, but I think I'm enough of a comedy. I know enough about the writing process that I could listen to Ron White and go, that one Ron wrote. Ron wrote? Ooh, that's hard to say. Ron wrote. That one Ron wrote, and that one he did not. I swear to you I could do that. Um... Because uh, I just think the shit that came from you, there's no way it's not going to be better. You know? Like, I mean, Ron White doesn't have any kids, but it's like, if someone was writing for me, and they were like, here's a hilarious story about a thing that happened to my kid, and then I just pretended it happened to my kid, I can't, that feels dirty. Don't get me wrong, I'd do it if I had to. Uh, but that's, that'd be fucking hard to do. Here's what my kid said the other day. Not really. Here's what my writer's kid said the other day. I know Kevin Hart, um, he tours with a couple people, and if you ever look at his comedy specials, he, when it says written by at the end of him or whatever, he puts his name and he puts, like, the name of two other people who opened for him, and I think that's because they they go over, they watch Kevin, they write down notes, they go, this worked, you should add this, they go over it, they listen to, like, you know, it's not necessarily they're writing all the bits for him, but they're helping him craft it, and they're giving him suggestions, and um, I'll be honest, I don't, really get why Kevin Hart credits them because he doesn't need to. He pays them and they're helping him and they get to open for him. 
You don't need to let other people know. Uh, that's always been, that's a little, I mean, I guess it's to his credit. He's like, these guys helped me write it. But at the same time, it's like, you don't, you're paying them. You don't need to say that. I mean, I think Chris Rock gets people to help him. But he never goes like, I don't think, I don't think at the end of a Chris Rock special, it's ever like written by Chris Rock and three other people, you know. If you get money, why do you need credit? That I know people like Patton Oswalt and stuff. They uh, Oswald Oswalt, uh, he gets paid to punch up scripts. You, they'll, they'll send him scripts and he'll like punch them up and try and make them funnier. But he's never on the thing. They just give him a shit ton of money. You know, so it doesn't say written by Patton Oswalt, but who cares? Like I don't, I don't know. So that's weird to me that Kevin Hart goes out of his way to see, like, these guys help me write it. I, it seems very unnecessary, and it seems like it opens him up to a uh, very unnecessary criticism. And I, because I've heard people say, like, he doesn't even write his own shit, and I don't think that's true. I think he does. He just has people help them, help him, and is maybe too honest about it. Um, but, you know, that's, those are all one percenter problems. <laughs> I write my 15 to 20 minutes a year, hopefully, and people tell me I miss the old stuff. So uh, I have less incentive. Um, I've said this a million times, but I don't, I don't get paid to write material. I get paid to do well. I get paid uh, to get laughs. So it's always a balance for me. But if, if, if all of a sudden I was at a different fame level, then yeah. If I put it on a Netflix special, then you can't really do it anymore. And that's, uh, that does sound scary to me, but it would also be like, if you have to rise to that challenge, something's gone well. Um, something's gone well in your career, so it's a good problem to have. But Maybe I'll get Kevin Hart's guys when that happens. Maybe I'll buy my joke back from Ron White that he never used. Can't remember the joke, something about drinking. And Todd, that's the guy's name, Todd was like, that's the, the comic I knew who was worked with Ron Wright. He's like, yeah, I think this would work with the thing Ron's doing right now. I'm like, great. I went back and timed it. I'm like, it's like two and a half minutes. That's 2,500 bucks. <laughs> That'd be awesome. But it never happened. That's the first thing I would have said to Ron White. Oh, my joke's not good enough for you? You son of a bitch. How dare you? Normally I headline, Ron, just so you know. I'm making an exception this week. So look, I didn't get the Ron White gig, but um, I got some other gigs this week. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. It's actually kind of funny. I Okay, so I get, I get a message. Uh... And it says, hey, I have a gig at this venue. How much would it cost to get you here? It's like a Facebook message. I look. It's in Centralia. Uh, Centralia, Washington is eh, 30 minutes from my house, something like that. 
it's some venue I never heard of, but I'm like, oh, okay. I was like, 500 bucks. Uh, the guy goes, great. Do we need, do I need to send you a deposit? Do I need to? I'm like, nah, don't even worry about it. I'll see you in October. It was like an October gig. And then uh, he mentions the the name of the venue. I think I think it's called the Orphan Smokehouse. And he's like, you know, just so you know, I know that's a weird name, but that's Orphan. The Orphans is the name of our like local mascot. I don't know, high school, college. I don't even know. And I was like, okay. And then I'm like, wait a minute. I I know Centralia. I mean, my high school used to play Centralia. That's like our league. For an Olympia Washington person, I'm like, I'm pretty sure they're the Tigers, and so I go, I go back and I look. Did anyone else in the world know there was a Centralia, Illinois? Did anyone? I thought there was one Centralia in the whole world. I mean, I thought that was more than enough. There was one Centralia, one factory outlet mall, next to I five. Uh, so basically, I ag- <laughs> I had agreed to fly to Illinois for five hundred dollars, and then I had to like no 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 no. I'm like, this is I live in Olympia, Washington. There's an Australia that's like thirty minutes away. I misunderstood. I'm like, I can't do it for five hundred bucks. I mean, he must have thought I was a lunatic the first time. So he's like, oh. Well, how much would it cost? And I, I don't need to tell you exactly, but I gave him a number that's more what I would get for a comedy club weekend. And uh, he goes, well, I don't think I can do that. But he had also said in the email, like, hey, I know some other bookers in the area, and I could get you in. And initially I thought, other bookers in the area? Yeah, I know them, bro. I'm from here. I know all the Northwest bookers. And then I... So then I'm, uh, when I realized he was talking about, I don't know, Southern Illinois bookers, I was like, well, what if it was that amount of money, but for two shows? And then he made a couple of phone calls, and that's what I'm doing. I'm going to, I'm going to Southern Illinois in October for, like, not great money, but good enough for pandemic. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> one of those venues is the Orphan Smokehouse. Uh but I'm like, man, do I suck at booking? What am I doing? Damn it, I gotta let the cat in. Hold on. Talk amongst yourselves. So yeah, uh, what is it? October 16th, I think. I'll be in Centralia, Illinois. Home of the fighting orphans. The guy's real excited about it, too. I thought it was a different guy who keeps asking me to do this open mic in Centralia, Washington that I keep saying no to. But this, I don't even know how this guy knows me. If you're listening right now, dude, thank you for the gig. We'll, we'll, we'll have a good time. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was pretty hilarious that like, <laughs> how much would it cost for me to fly from Washington State to Illinois? Um, yeah, I'll do the gig for $500. <laughs> What a dummy. 
It's like an hour from St. Louis. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I guess I have that to look forward to in October. Um, let me get let me get this calendar we're talking about. Give a couple plugs. Uh, if, if you're listening on the day of our upload, um, I'm in Yakima, April 10. I'm doing not a full set, but uh, 20 to 30 minutes, uh, April 11 at Tacoma Comedy Club. Um, I'm doing something in Seattle, April 14th. I'm in Richland, Washington, April 16th, 17th. Tucson, April 23, 24. Salem, April 29. Medford, April 30. Enumclaw, May 1st. Go to that one. I have a door deal. <laughs> Please show up. Um, man, I'm, I'm trying, uh, I'm trying to do these door deal things at like theaters and stuff with my pal, uh, Casey McLean. We're calling it the Northwest AF comedy tour. Yeah. And the AF stands for as fuck. So we're pretty edgy. This isn't your grandma's comedy tour. Um, but it's funny because we keep telling people it's the Northwest AF comedy tour, and they just go, cool, great. And then they just put Gabriel Rutledge and Casey McLean on the calendar. So it's really not taken off uh, as a touring concept. But we're trying to do these things where, you know what I mean? It's more risk, but more reward financially, where you can, you know what I mean? It's like, hey, you get the ticket sales, and we promote it. And if it works, we get more money. But if it doesn't work, it's a disaster, that kind of thing. And we're trying. We're trying. Uh, we done. We've done one in Boise, which I would say was inconclusive. I mean, we didn't lose money, but it also wasn't great. It's also coronavirus, so who knows? You know, it's hard to get a good read on anything. But it's uh, it's really frustrating to work with theaters because <laughs> they're just on a different schedule. Where they're like, hey, can we do this date? And they're like, well, we have a board meeting in a month. So we'll bring it up then. And it's just like, okay. Okay. Let us know how that goes. Um, I'm, I'm talking to a theater right now. And uh, they were like, I'm like, well, is it like a flat rate or is it a door deal? And they're like, well, whatever you want to do. What? what's the flat rate or what's the door deal? Like, you got to give me some information. So it's, uh, you know, I'm hoping it works out and uh, it could be cool to do all the, you know, do a little more of my own promotion. And But it's also like, <laughs> it's just, sometimes it's nice to say yes to a gig, not think about it at all, and then just show up and do it. Um but uh, this weird, whatever you want to do, kind of negotiating. <laughs> do you want a flat rate or do you want a door deal? What's the door deal? Is it 50-50 ticket split? 60-40? 70-30? Do we get all of it? How much is the flat rate? I have fucking questions. And then they're like, well, you know what? I'll talk about it at the um, theater board meeting in three weeks. I'm like, okay. How about you just forget it, and I'll do six microbreweries instead for the same amount of money. Um, so I'm trying. I'm trying. Um, you know, 
if I got Ron White's manager, these fucking problems wouldn't happen anymore. They'd be handling it for me. You know, I could be Little Tater Salad. That could be like my stage name. They're like, oh, guess who's going to be here? Uh, Tater Tot Salad. Yeah, he's like Ron White's best friend. They hung out in Oklahoma City one time and they became inseparable. And uh, now we're lucky to have Tater Tot Salad here at our theater. And we're going to give him all the money. I'm pretty sure that's what would have happened. Although it's more likely I would have <clears throat> not said any words to Ron White the entire time. And uh, missed my son's graduation. <laughs> Johnny, I am so proud of you. But you know who else I'm proud of? Me, because I get to go open for Ron White. So I think you can see what I have to do. What was your GPA? Three, four, three, five? Hmm. Okay. I mean, it's good, but it's not cancel on Ron White good. You know what I mean? You're going to college like eight minutes across town. I'll fucking see you, bro. Why are we making a big deal about this cap and gown? Let's have our own graduation ceremony. June 22nd, when I get home. Okay? <laughs> I think Christy legitimately got mad at me. I would have never, of course, I would have never not go to my son's graduation. I think she was annoyed that I was a, that I was annoyed I couldn't do the gig. I'm like, you have to give it to me. You know. It's just hard to say no. It's hard to say no to shit. You know, I mean, that's a fun gig. And I do legitimately think Ron White is hilarious. Uh, but it would have been, you know, if Jeff Dunham, the fucking ventriloquist racist puppet guy, would have wanted me to open for him, I still would have had trouble saying no. And that could lead to something, too. You know, I could tour with Jeff Dunham, not as a comedian, but as the guy who takes care of his puppets. That's a gig, too. If you would like to support this podcast uh, financially, you can in the episode notes. Uh, it, it, it says support this podcast, and for as little as 99 cents a month, you can do that. Or at RutledgeRadio.com, you can do that. Many of you do. And you're very much appreciated. And I will use that money to give my son a gift certificate for his high school graduation. I love you, son. Pick out something at Target. Um, and for everyone who doesn't uh, give this podcast money, remember this podcast is free and it's worth it. Talk to you next week.
Show's over. We're done. Bye.